January 30, 2013. It's a lot from Pedro Show.
even one chance that he would come along. But there's even one chance to take a drink, buy a drink. For Pedro show, hey brother Mac, hey, feeling brother, better? Back in action. Yeah, you Way had more a, better than before. Yeah, brother Matt had the flu for how many? Eight, nine, ten? Ah, uh, good solid week. Puking? No puking much, but fever, dead fever and pain, man. Pain. Totally, totally. Well, like a little womb child yeah. position. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, Cradle. Constantly. Damn. Well. It's over. I'm glad, but you're better now, huh? And in fact, what was your comeback present? Man, oh man, you I saw got the a who? great surprise Monday night. I got off work, took a little siesta, phone rang, didn't answer it. When I got up, I checked the message. Hey, you want to go see the who? It's like, what who? The two. Yeah, I didn't know who was happening. It's like, yeah, Quadrophenia, they're here in town. So that's where I was Monday night. That was fucking great. Man, oh man. We're pad. At the Honda Center. Never been there before. And where's that, Down downtown? Angel Angel Stadium, right next door. Orange County? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Tomorrow night, they're at Staples. Okay. So, if you missed them, check them out. They ain't calling farewell tour anymore. Right. We did that for about 30 years. That's, years. that's <laughs> the real tomorrow night. Not, this is an area today, right? Thank you. We got our, we got our guest. Yeah. He I'm spoke. Sorry. I interrupted. Before he got his intro. Before yeah, he got um, his intro. This will be up. Tonight, it'll be up. Oh, tonight. it will. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, it's our pleasure, me and brother Matt, to have aboard Peter Show, Mr. David Yao. Hi, Welcome. thanks, thanks Welcome. a lot for having me. I'm honored. And we played for you, starting off the show up against Wall by John Coltrane. Then we had Contact Mike with Sawako and Seasick, something live from the Jesus Lizard at the Great, uh, the Big Day Out in Auckland, 1995, where I was playing for Porno for Pyros. Yeah. And I got to play Scrabble with you and bring that some beans. Awesome. We played like a soccer stadium, right? It was a soccer yeah. stadium. Yeah. And out in the grass, and I think it had rained the day before. There was a lot of mud. I think it had been raining for like three days. Okay. And it, yeah, I got a little tiny story about that particular show. Okay. As I was out on top of the crowd, you know, with my the a long mic cord and stuff, and I was, at the time I was married, and my wedding ring got. Clocked off. Donated. I, not intentionally, I don't think, but I, I, mo I looked back at the guys on stage. I was giving them a you know, fraternal sort of like, hey, stop, 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 song. And they stopped and I said, hey. show biz talk for like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> cut, the cut hand across the throat. <laughs> and I said, hey, 
my wedding ring came off, and I thought, you know, it's absolutely impossible with whatever. There's 20,000, 30,000 people there with a foot of mud. And moments later, this kid goes, I've got it! Wow. And it was the biggest roar from the crowd we got that day. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> it was really Yeah, really cat found it. Needle in the haystack. Yeah, that was cool. Wow. Yeah, we had a good time. I was wearing a dress for Perry. I remember. It was my first time there. Was that your first time there, or had you already been? Uh, that was my second time. Second time. You're going with one of your porno pals this week, huh? Friday with Perk and Peter yeah. and Brother Wayne Kramer. Wow. We're going to make them do Stooges. Cool. We did it once before. Wait, Wayne, Wayne was playing with the porno? No. This Friday's a gig in Santa Monica. What's it called? Central? Or the yeah. Social? yeah. Something social. It used to be called 14 yeah. Below. And we did this once before last year. Uh, but this time with Peter DiStefano. Mm. Last time was just a trio, and we did all Stooges. Brother Wayne Kramer doing Stooges. I think first time he ever tried doing them songs in his life. Okay, his own version, you know. Careful through it the hatch this time. Yeah, that's right. Coming through the hatch, I uh, they got a lame-ass back hatch here, and uh, made no step for like a foot. <laughs> and so I came through, and my arm caught that jam in the door and dislocated the elbow and yeah, turned purple color. and used. <laughs> that was a bad one. Ouch. Oh, that hurt. Oh, that was a lot of pain. You die, you die, you die. Uh, so that's what we're going to do. But that tour, that was the first time I worked for another man. I was born for pilots. I've done it three times. After that was Jay Mascus in uh -huh. the fog, and and now for Stooges now, April's 10 years. Has it been that long? Well, Longer I mean, than I was a minute well, yeah. man or anything. Wow. You can believe it. Side mouse. And uh, we're going back there. It'll be my fourth time with them there. But it isn't the big day off. Right. <laughs> it's called, it's like blues festivals and things. With Beast of Bourbon, though, they were at one of the big day outs we did. You guys were so great at that festival. Uh, but I want to get into your... Uh, Pants. <laughs> <laughs> I want to get into your music uh, uh, journey. Story of the, your musical journey. We'll play some music here and uh, we'll get to that, okay?
Men like 
Watch for Pedro Show. Uh, we started off with Damn for All Time by Scratch Acid. Then Elizabeth Theme from Dirty Beaches. Manhattan from Cat Power. Hey Planet, um, The Planet Krypton from Petra Hayden. She's got a new album. Yeah, it's all uh, acapella versions of movie soundtracks. Oh, awesome. <laughs> and then Body and Soul by the Milk Class. Something oh, they did in the old days, but never released. For her uh, album cover, probably. She dresses up like all that yeah, shit. Even, uh, even Jimmy uh, Dean, and she, cool. she wore a Superman one for that. <laughs> and then finally, Owner's Lament by Scratch Acid. Scratch Acid, but ahead of Scratch Acid. Yeah, when were you first conscious of music? How of old music? Were you? Um. Well, um, when I was a kid, I remember. I remember being on the, in a high chair in the kitchen with my mom and Blame It on the Bossa Nova was playing. And I didn't know what the hell it was about, but I felt like it was, I, mean, I wouldn't have known what dirty was either, but I felt like it was somehow dirty. Okay. And I think that's the earliest memory I have. You were what, chowing in a chair? What's that? High chair? Uh, yeah, well, not, I was, I was like maybe four. Four? Four or five. What town? Well, at the time, we were living in uh, North Africa in Tripoli. Tripoli? Yeah. Wow. So I was in the Air Force, and we were stationed there. But then the first music I ever really bought was uh, Beatles, Seven Inches, and stuff like that. Okay. So you're more than conscious. You buy it. Yeah, yeah. We'd get, yeah, we'd get, you know. So like eight days a week. Uh, uh, well, I remember singles. No, it was it was like um, by the time Apple was, a, oh. by Apple by the time they had Apple. Mm -hmm. But, but they still were econo, right? Like a, a buck for a single. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, don't, I don't remember the price, but it was, yeah. Because yeah. I remember getting seven inches when I was King Navy housing here in Pedro. I remember my, only one, a buck. one of my best buddies, I'd go over to his house and listen to his, his little uh, hi-fi. And his sister gave him a seven inch because she didn't like it. And it was uh, Sunshine Superman by yeah. uh, Donovan. Donovan. And I'm like, she doesn't like this. <laughs> it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> She didn't like it. Huh? Yeah. Was too. Uh, Donovan's running joke in that Don't, Don't Look Back movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And finally, Dylan Gleason. You know about this movie? It's it, it's a it's called Don't Look Back, and it's when he first did a tour of England as acoustic, maybe sixty four, sixty three. Oh yes. And the big running joke is Donovan. He's going to meet this guy, you know. And he's supposed to be like the English Dylan. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. And well, it was popular. Let's say that. But he played acoustic and sang, but. They're at this party and they meet, and so someone gives Donovan the guitar and, he, you know, I, I've come to sing for you. That's what I've come to do. You know, something like this. And Dylan, Dylan's got fucking sunglasses on. You know, and he gets the guitar and he, Donovan's got some buddy frying his brains out. You know, so Dylan sings right in his face, uh, "Baby Blue." You know, it's all over. You must leave now. You know, all your six seasick sailors are rowing home. You know, it was heavy. And the guy's like looking at him, you know, and telling him. It's, it's, see this movie. It's a trip. He's a little effant, terrible in a way, but a terrible French. But it's it's interesting movie. There was another one that was allowed to come out, made the year after when he brought the band over, mm -hmm. and it was electric. And it's called Eat the Document. Same guy, that Pennebaker guy. Uh, so, okay, you're getting seven inches. And you're playing them. Obviously, you know what the, the power of music is. 
what's happening, what ain't happening. What about uh, ideas of wanting to do it? Golly. <clears throat> Um, I don't think that happened until the punk rock, because like I was got, I was into, um, you know, in, in high school I was really into fusion and Led Zeppelin pretty much. So you like, went to concerts. Yeah, it was like you know. Like me and brother Matt. Um, Return of Forever and Brand X and oh, and man. you know Weather Report and Led Zeppelin. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and then and then all of a sudden punk rock came and I went well. Fuck that other shit. <laughs> this, uh, this well, there you're just listening, right? And with punk, you wanted to get involved exactly. and be naked. Exactly. And I'd seen some punk rock shows where I just, I couldn't. Where was it, this? Where was your first Austin, show? Austin, Austin, okay. Yeah. I saw a band called um, The Huns play at Raul's. Wow, I had a single by them, The, the yeah, Busy, Busy Kids. Kids yeah. <laughs> and the sleeve was a little bigger than everybody else's. Yeah. And one cat was weird. Really into Leaf Garrett or something? He had some the guitar poster. player. Is yeah, that? He had a Leaf Garrett poster whenever they played. The, 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 ba the bass man for Urinals told me he lived with this Jonathan Christ or so. What was the singer's name? Maybe some trippy. No, maybe not that. But he became a Jesus Joel freak. Joel Polstead like. was the singer's name. Was that it? And then he went turned to like Christianity. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. That's what I'm thinking. Hardcore singer was Jonathan Christ. No, no, this guy who was in that. I didn't know his name, but I heard that because the urinals bass guy lived with him when he lived in Texas. Right. And they were notorious. I mean, there was hardly any bands when those guys were doing gigs. Yeah. They were like early on. What's the other side? I can't remember, but busy. I'm glad he's dead. Yeah. <laughs> we're the busy. That's we up. We are the busy kids. Yeah, the busy, busy, busy. That's on. And that's all he keeps singing. Yeah, that's yeah. all he lyrics the whole. It's got this big kind of riff that's yeah. like taunting to erupt. But never, never. And then there was, Glad he's dead. Uh, yeah. Fucking red. Glad he's dead. The fucking red. <laughs> I remember the sleeve was bigger. It'd be with all my other ones, and it would yeah. be the bigger and kind one. Kind of a crappy painting. There was a painting of them, like. Yeah, yeah. And then them on the back, uh, around the singer, him turned around. Yeah, sort of, a, you know, a better photograph. <laughs> yeah, they kind of, they made a big difference to me because I never, it had never occurred to me that you would be intimidated by the band that you went to see. I, that just was foreign to me, and I really liked the idea. The adversary. Yeah. And not just Nuremberg Rally. Yeah. But the other side. Yeah. <laughs> like the Stooges in those days. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one, two, fuck you, pricks. <laughs> kind of stuff, yeah. Yeah, that tripped me out, too, about going to gigs, because it was all different at an arena. Although I saw some belige at the guy opening for T-Rex. They wanted him off. It was Albert Hammond. And he took a balloon. They were throwing shit at him. He took a balloon, and he said, this is Mark Bolin. Popped it. <laughs> was it there? Was it T-Rex's show, or they opened? Yeah, it Albert Hammond opened for T-Rex. Oh, okay. I, but I'd never. You didn't see dudes getting booed off stage, <laughs> like yeah. something you heard about uh, vaudeville or something. They threw <laughs> vegetables. <Tomatoes>. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right, right, right. You know, you never thought that shit really happened. Yeah. You know? And uh, yeah, when I went to Pumpkins, <laughs> I found out that it happened. Wow. It happened big time. I remember seeing this kind of wave band from New York called The Fast. Maybe it was Three Brothers, and Pat Smear was there watching. 
and he pulled the singer off the stage by his hair. <laughs> and Patty Violet, his little barrage, pulled him right off. I was like, God damn. Whoa. Too, the bags, too. The first gig I saw, the, the singer lady threw a, bounced a beer bottle off a dude's head in the crowd. It was yeah. like giving her well, shit. Yeah, shit. You, when he, I mean, I didn't come to L.A. For, with music until 1986, maybe 80, 87. And I was afraid to play here. I thought the audience is going to beat the fuck out of us. Cause, I oh, because of hardcore and that? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, with the old punk, with 70s punk, there was some violence, but uh, people weren't strong. <laughs> it was sort of like when we were uh, teenagers, uh, before punk and uh, keggers and shit, and uh, a lot, people ate a lot of red, so the fights were always in slow motion. <laughs> Ouch! <laughs> hey, man! Look, we're going to play a little more music and get back to this.
reference this malevolence. Blazing sword, blazing shield, burn my house and burn the schools. Broken glass, broken door, broken heart and change the rules. Lock your door, light a flare to what it is you need to do. Because wars, blazing disciples are on the move. If you see me disappear, then you better run and hide. I'm the last one right before you, so they have you in their sights. Watch your back, watch your step. You don't believe me, watch the news. Because wars, blazing disciples are on the move. Wars, blazing disciples are on the move. Wars, blazing person I saw they looked like they were pregnant the goddamn payphone he was rolling instead of walking I'm like son of a bitch isn't this a <laughs> isn't this a bitch I'm like wow this is the secret of the American man hiding from everybody else they got pregnant men in America you can't think you got nobody your size in the in the in the country that's boxing Scale. See, you're not even 112 pounds. The lightest person we have fighting is 112 pounds. And they, they walk around around like 120. We lost eight pounds to fight. I said, look, man, I want to fight. He said, no. I started begging him. I went back to that gym. Every day for three months.
Everything he teaches them, I go home and practice. They took me one night, one night, from 7 p.m. to 2 a.m. to learn how to skip rope, like the guys in the gym.
Scott from Pedro Show. Uh, you just heard Mary Had a Little Drug Problem by Scratch Acid. And ahead of that was uh, Naked Track by GFR. A Pregnant Men in America by Alex Lambert and Travis Dickerson ahead of that. War's Blazing Disciples in front of that by The Eternals. And we started off with Unlike a Baptist by Scratch Acid. Uh, we got a couple minutes here in the first hour. Um, but uh, the Huns was the big game changer. The Huns. From and, being passive and the, and the fuse. And the hands and the dicks. Really, okay. really changed right. the career. Gary Floyd told me that. They actually had the band when they didn't have any songs. Or He said they were putting up flyers and shit because they got a song called Fake Bands. Right. And I asked him about that, and he was, yeah, yeah, you you just said you had a band. <laughs> you never played, and you put up flyers and yeah. shit. He said that's what they did at first. <laughs> he never was, even wrote really one song. called Toxic Shock, and we had flyers way before we ever had a band. <laughs> you did the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that was kind of like one of the motivators. Like, yeah, man, yeah, we yeah. gotta get it together. Yeah, yeah it's like a contract, man. Look, you made the poster. You gotta have the man. <laughs> but he was bad. But I got that record of uh, Live at Rebels. It's them on half and Big Boys on the other half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And dicks are so good on that one. Well, man, it's it's. Like I like the other one. Big Boy one better. The one with the. Six yeah, the big boy things. studio records were better. That, than that. Yeah, that one where there's six, maybe it was only a 12 inch 45, but it is bad. Yeah. Funky, trippy thing. And uh, anyway, I think to be a Texas punk band in those days was balls out, way more balls out than <laughs> yeah. to be a SoCal one. <laughs> really? That's interesting. I mean, we had trouble with the police and stuff, but I can imagine over there, just the culture thing. It was bad here, but I can imagine there. Well, in Austin, it wasn't so bad because Austin was is pretty much the only town in Texas that's forward-thinking, you know, and there'd been hippies there forever and stuff. I don't know. Houston, I wouldn't have wanted to be, you know, really Dallas. bad what's going on down there. And Dallas, the Pistols actually played. Yeah, well, they played, yeah, Dallas, San Antonio. And San Antonio. Yeah. And I think they played Tulsa, too, out that way. Yeah. That was the most east they played, I think. Yeah, Red but, Lake Bars. Uh, yeah. And it was Nerve Breakers. Yeah. Oh, for them in Dallas. Yeah. Uh, oh, man, we're at the end of the first hour of 2013, January 30th, Dishwap Pedro Show. Guest David Yao, yeah, hold tight for hour two. January 30th, 2013, it's the second hour, a lot from Pedro Show.
Greetings, fellow pilgrim. The recording provides serenity and enhanced coping skills and thousands of beneficial affirmations. Just turn down the volume control so that the whisper subliminal becomes inaudible. The messages will then pass to the control levels of mind unhindered, and the sense of relief and enhanced health and well-being becomes your daily living reality. It will stay with you. It will grow.
rented stable paddock She goes there every weekend She's never had a boyfriend Long full of longing In a quilted green she lay Sweeping out the stables She's replenishing the pain Those lonely girls and horses Know how to keep a secret They wait and watch and wonder Should they ever dare to speak it They go home All By village, she wants to be a model. Hey, she's scared of eating. No way, she really hates her brother because he spiked her soup with maggots. He left home a while ago to teach English as a foreign language. Those lonely girls and horses. Oh 
come. I'm sorry. Now we do it until everybody's quiet. from Peter show start off the second hour with thumb screws from Jesus Lizzie uh, self-help tapes after that from deep in the woods 66 then we heard runaway by seasick there's a band called that from the Bay Area oh. and uh, when the kettle comes in Dave Preston love girl lonely girls and horses by the parlor flames nervous wreck by Miss Malvis she lives in Austin and in fact, Scott Krause, a Parubu drummer, just had me play on two songs that he did with her. And then Sleepwalk and the Fear Song Camarillo by Key. Quee. Sorry, Quee. Oh, yeah, cool. And uh, yeah, we'll get to that because that's down the road. So you see the Huns, you see the Dicks. You want to get in on it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I had a friend who had this. Uh, SG copy bass. It was a K, K bass. My first bass yeah. was a K SG cop. Nice. Or EB. They call them EBs. Yeah. yeah um, I, uh, the guitars were SGs. Right. But yeah, I think it was forty bucks, and I got an amp with the the speaker that was blown out and everything. But uh, yeah, and I played bass in my first punk rock band. And what was that? Uh, when was that? Was that Toxic Shock? That was Toxic Shock. Yeah. Tom Watson had a band called Toxic but, Shock. Yeah, we were before. Okay, sorry. Or at Don. least we made the posters. Before. <laughs> you had the flyers up. Yeah, we had the flyers up. We had the flyers up the day. The singer and I were at a restaurant, and we saw the newspaper when they first came up with the term toxic shock. We said, there's our band name. Oh, right. It was something from uh, Coat, Texas. People, ladies were getting sick. Leaving yes. Or something. Yeah. Well, I think they were advertised. You could yeah, leave you them could, in. Yeah. I don't think it was lazing out. I thought it was like some kind of... <laughs> Progress they made some innovation. Yeah, let it marinate. <laughs> it's not done yet. <laughs> You'll know when it's ready. <laughs> It'll <Yeah>. tell you. <laughs> and everybody else in the room. Yeah, everybody else. Um, they'll tell you. 
Yeah, we uh, we had that little band. We had two singers originally, the beautiful girl named Carla Ethler and Steve Anderson were singing. We had two singers. Steve Anderson. Yeah. That's a trip because that was Tom Watson's wow. singer. <laughs> also for Darcy Sharp? Really? That's Parallel wild. Universe. Yeah, totally. They changed their name later to Slovenly. Okay. I First Slovenly that. Peter and then Slovenly. Yeah. Steve Anderson was a singer. Wow. <laughs> Doppelgangers. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was, you know, sort of a cross between Sex Pistols and Ramones kind of punk rock. Oh, okay. Did with you guys not, record? not very well played bass. I had a, a little triangular sticker I had on the tailpiece that indicated the E string, and that was the string I played. The big one. <laughs> the, well, the big it was one. the one that sounded lowest. Yeah, <laughs> right. Wow, did you use fingers or a pick? I used a pick. It's all right. But I also had I think, so. flat round strings because it didn't hurt Old my fingers so much. <laughs> One stop. Yeah, they're like pipe. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. No tack. Do you remember the first gig? Yes, I do. Was yeah. it Pan Shitter? That's your first gig ever, right? It was my first gig ever. ever. It was at uh, Duke's Royal Coach Inn. And, and uh, our drummer, for some reason or other, couldn't be there. And so Pat, uh, Pat Deason, who played drums for the Dicks, was going to sit in. I remember sitting in the alley before the show telling him like, okay, the first song goes like and the second song is like I think we played like eight songs and had a fucking blast, man. We were frolicking. I remember we were frolicking afterwards. It was one of the funnest times of my life. Did you guys get to record? Oh, we did record. And I think there's these weird there's a vinyl out available somewhere how many so, was it one session one session with a guy a guy named dan uh, dan dryden at earth and sky studios in austin and uh i think we borrowed the dicks equipment to play, to record Damn. and uh, bucks yeah and it's uh honestly it's pretty good i'll email you i've got mp3s i can, I can email you mp3s that would time. be great yeah and it's your first tunes you ever wrote Yes, it is. Yeah, I only wrote one song on there. The, the, I wrote the. I wrote a song called "War Is Fun." Yeah. Uh, really is that your first tune, though? Yeah. My first tune was called "Mr. Bass King Outer Space." <laughs> I was a teenager, <laughs> and it was about playing some bass solo at a gig and blowing the rest of the state band off the stage. Nice. <laughs> you can tell how secure I was. Anyway, <laughs> I never wrote another one until Punk King. I graduated to things like if Reagan played disco. <laughs> so war is fun. Yeah, that's kind of... Okay, so how long did this band last? It seemed like forever, but I think it was like eight months. Eight months? Yeah. And something had to change. Yeah, well, uh, Steve quit, or Steve quit, I think, after two shows because he thought it was too much to have two singers and uh he didn't want to sing at practice because he said it was going to ruin his voice and and uh then it just sort of dissolved and uh, mekons had two singers what's that the mekons and that band in england a long time yeah 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 John. never been in a riot but they had two singers um there wasn't a lot of punk bands like that there no there weren't there were a couple but yeah not a lot and it was it was it looked I thought it looked cool it was a I thought it, I thought it worked, um, but he just bailed. 
Yeah. And Carla was really, really beautiful little young girl with really sort of Sid Vicious punk rock look. Whoa. So it looked really great, you know. Yeah. And she was really, had a long neck and everything. It was pretty great. So uh, how did you take it? Damn, the band's gone. Well, Carla was my girlfriend, too. So then the band, we broke up, the band broke up, and um, uh, I don't know, I was doing so much acid and speed at the time, I don't remember exactly what happened. Well, you went to another band, maybe Scratch Acid. Yeah, yeah. Now, how'd that start? God, as I recall, I think that Ray, who had played drums in Sharon Tate's Baby and Jerry's Kids, was... Uh, Ray Washington? Ray Washington, yeah, um, wanted to, uh, I think he approached me about possibly doing a band, and uh, Ray and Brett, who were in, uh, had been playing with Jerry's Kids, not the Jerry's Kids from Boston. Boston. There was also one in uh, Albuquerque, too. Really? <laughs> it was too good of a name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Again, just based and, it on uh, one town. Yeah, and then we got to... Uh, um, and Steve Anderson was going to sing. And we had a, but he didn't join Slavoli instead. <laughs> right. And, and David, Sim, David Sims was playing guitar, so we had two guitar players. Oh, wow, he was a guitar man. Yeah. Yeah. And Well, he wanted to be a guitar player. And uh, then we played one show without Steve, and then just sort of kicked him out of the band. And I switched from bass to vocals, and David switched from guitar to bass. Okay. So you only did a couple. I think we did one show. Only one gig right? with the old lineup, with the yeah. original. Who came up with the name? I believe I did. Yeah. Uh, Propo, the life. Yeah. Um, well, I did one gig on L. It was a Minuteman gig. I didn't know we were supposed to play. And they said, hey, get down here. We're going on. And I was like, oh, God. <laughs> so I ran there. You ran to the front. <laughs> so gig, like two miles with the bass out of my mind. <laughs> I get there. It was here. Down on 23 and Pacific, Brother Matt used to be called Capones and Three oh, Bs. Yeah, yeah. The Blue Viking had a lot of names. Somebody got murdered on the roof. Somebody told me they had bad luck. Cause it, anyway, we're up there. I didn't know any of the parts. So, but just when D. Boone and Georgie would start, I'd just start hitting the strings with them. And they'd stop, I'd stop. And they'd go and I'd go. <laughs> all the lights. That, that the sound felt like it was a toothpick. It sounded like my amplifier was a gigantic... Well, the bass was like a toothpaste tube, too, and I was just, it was coming out the end, you know, and I was just chopping it off with my shoulder up on the tube, you know, and did different lengths. Uh -huh. well, here's a long part, here's a short part, you know. That's because I was out of my mind. And I ran back home. I ran up 22nd Street, this steep-ass hill, because there was a lot of... Uh, but it's freakish how... It wasn't good hell. There was a lot of uh, stimulant. Oh, yeah, stri oh, but stimulant, too. Uh, to, to, to make it like you know it was strong but it was actually stimulant methamphetamine I don't know right but it's crazy how quickly you guys got so good at your well this was only one game I never played that way I couldn't remember anything I couldn't think anything they were playing pretty good I just didn't know where I was it, it just started with them and stopped it's funny nobody told me I was fucking up I didn't play any parts you weren't fucking up <laughs> I was squeezing off chunks of toothpaste. <laughs> That's what the bass, it sounded like. Vroom. So I, I know a lot of dudes did L, and I know the more you did L, the kind of weaker it was. So that's why I'd kind of space it out, because it'd be all strong and just use my brains and listen to Richard Meltzer on the radio.
or records. We would buy records and never listen to them until 8L. And then you'd have no idea. Like that prayer on fire, uh -huh. uh, birthday party. Uh -huh. I remember never, you know, you just, whoa, this looks like a good album cover. You know, nobody wrote about those things. So right. we would buy them by the name of the band or the album cover. And then we'd wait for the weekend when we'd have time off and eat L and listen to them. They'd be like, don't freak out. Yeah. I remember that Cabaret Voltaire one called uh, Cut Up or Mix Up or something. Yeah. yeah. We're just like, Chrome ah! stuff on that Yeah. You know, and you didn't have any idea what was going to come. You never heard the tunes. You didn't know where they were going. Yeah, it would take you. It would really take you. Wow. And then the last time I used it was in 83. It was at a a gig where uh, Einstein and Neubauten came and played here in the desert. And that was the last time. That was a trip. And I never ate it again. It took too long. It took too much time. Yeah. Last 10 hours, then your mind would be like wrung out for another Yeah, time. yeah, sure. So I never did again. But I'm glad I did it. So Scratch it, I said, we played some songs here on the show. So I know you guys recorded. <clears throat> you did, did tours. I mean, that's your first full-on band, really. Yeah. How would you sum it up? How would I? How did we sum it up? How would you? Um, golly, no regrets. Uh, it was, it was so much fun. Um, I remember we went to uh, we went to Europe in the winter of '86, and that blew my mind. I couldn't believe. I mean, there was, you know, you'd been there, right? With flag and like yeah. Black Flag had been there and Sonic Youth. And we went in '83, but not. Lot of U.S. bands, yeah, yeah you're right. I think that when we went, the only ones before us was Kennedy's. Right, but that was that that freaked me out. I couldn't believe it was such an honor to go play in Europe. That was our first time there. That's how we got to see was playing in a band, playing yeah. in the Minutemen. But uh, it was it was a trip, and uh, half of it was of West friends. Germany. <laughs> What's that? Half of it was West Germany, right? Yeah, yeah. And I People still, don't I know that in the old days. When, you know, when the wall was still up. And uh, I, I, I think of my passport as a real, that particular passport as a real um, uh, you got a treasure. It's, it's like a trophy almost because, of, I mean, it's got extra pages added and, you know, stuff from East, East DDR. Germany. DDR. Yeah. I had them stamps. They were two color. They were fancy. Yeah, very cool. But people don't realize, like, half the Germany, West Germany was getting a lot of money from the U.S. And when you toured a Europe tour, half of it would be there. Yeah. Yeah. So we saw a lot of, of there. But so Scratch Acid for you was like, yeah, the opening of the music trip. Yeah. And you said it was scary coming playing here in SoCal, huh? It was, although, well, we played we played at Long, we played at Fenders in Long Fall, Beach. Yeah, Long Beach. Um yeah, and I remember we were going to be opening for Peter Murphy, and uh, then we got here, and, I, and we Is were that just the Bauhaus gonna, singer? Yeah, and I thought, okay, that's cool, and then I, I, when we got here, we found out there's some other band playing between us and them, and it was a band called Jane's Addiction. I was going like, what the fuck is this shit, you know, we're, why do we have to play first, who's this, and... Yeah, you know, and Jane's Addiction played and stuff. And, he had a band before that called Psychom. Psycho play with, yeah. Uh -huh. They're synthesizers behind the band. <laughs> yeah, and then I think we played the whiskey, and then went up to San Francisco, played the I Beam and stuff. But so that was your first time out west. Yeah, first and only. Well, well for scratch acid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow.
Was that a trip? It was because a trip. You, in, in Austin you probably had this whole idea of what the West Coast is like. Well, I was just afraid that it, yeah, it was all they were all going to beat us up. It was going to be thug. Yeah, I figured we'd start the set and then they'd just beat us up. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I mean, I'd seen decline. Oh, know? that's so, right. That's right. So that's I, right. I just figured that's the way it that's always is. That's the way it goes. And, you know, we hate, they hate us. We hate them. I just figured, like, <laughs> that's the way it always is. Any show, Southern California. They're going to plow you. And I'm a little guy. They're going to kill me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, I can imagine, yeah, decline. That probably set the thing. Yeah. Kind of mindset, the template, and the hardcore did have some. There's some wild shit. Yeah, I remember we were playing a gig with Flag and Fear up in Hollywood, and uh, Durf, the bass man, Fear spit on some dude. That dude just pulled him down and cracked his head with punches. Had to have a cup on his head, draining into it. Yeah, there were some rough cats. Yeah, kind of jock guys got in the scene. And uh, yeah, much different than the seventies. Hardly any ladies. All young guys ready to go. Yeah. <laughs> kind of happened again when Alternative came, but they had backward baseball bats. Well, also, because <laughs> I, I really I, the punk rock that I got so excited about in Austin. Right. You know, there Arms. would be there would be little bits of violence and stuff in the audience, but it was mostly just because you had so many people in a small space going so wild but if somebody fell down you know you'd help them up and shit yeah and then the, you know then shit like the hunting the hb strut came around where it's all this orchestrated like running circles and you know punch people I was like <laughs> fuck that you know <laughs> fuck that and and that's what i figured was gonna be well, going the old days i think a lot of those young guys they'd be playing pop warner they'd be getting it that out another way <laughs> yeah. it just had just channeled into like music scene yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was ridiculous, and and I and it went over to other stuff too because, uh, you know, where you could wear long hair like uh, uh, Slayer and stuff. Yeah. But they would do this. I remember seeing a gig at the Civic. It was like a three thousand young man spin cycle of the dryer. You know, this one big spinning, just punching the shit out of each other. But <laughs> these guys play so fast. <laughs> yeah, I imagine it. And, uh, what they call it, the met, uh, shred or yeah. shred metal or something. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the land of the genre and the, and the dance moves and all this. Yeah, Pogo was more up and down. It wasn't so much left or right. Yeah. 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 I mean, it could get sloppy, but it'd be fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. More. Uh, more girls in Pogo. Yeah, there was more girls. That's for sure. I mean, even the girls that were there, they'd be way on the side, man. They didn't get involved. Well, in the early Nowadays, when it, it came back in the '90s, I would see girls doing that shit. But in the '80s, when it got heavy, it turned into a total. Uh, it, well, in camp. Austin, there was there were a pretty fair number of girls, and there were a, a, a lot of gays. There were a lot of gays in bands and the, the the punk rock bands in Austin. Yeah, yeah. Which is yeah. Well, the Hollywood scene had it too. Really. I don't know about the HB scene so much. <laughs> yeah. But it was in Hollywood. They were a lot more closet. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. But so like the ladies were like what, my roller derby or something? That kind of thing, yeah. Yeah, sure. so they're a little tough yeah. and stuff.
I saw that with the Riot Girl when the 90s when it came back. These girls wouldn't be. But the pits changed, too. I mean, when you're talking about, man, there were some jock guys at the gigs. Remember, punk rock was weird. Guys who didn't fit in and weren't that strong. I remember seeing TSOL for the first time. And you guys got suntans. You're strong and good looking. What's this? Why are you here? <laughs> <laughs> but they had a th issues with the uh, parents. and um, Their thing was different. You know, it was kind of like hip society, right? Hippie. Uh, I think so, man. It was different than uh, just trying to make like Dada or something. I think that was more the 70s punk. The other thing was kind of like, because nobody lived at home hardly. You know, nobody was that young in the scene here. I don't know about Austin, but, but we didn't have teenagers in the first. Yeah. Uh, well, I think we did and didn't, but. And I might be fooling myself, but I swear to God, I know, you know that I know kids are having a blast these days and, ever, and they always have, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But I genuinely don't think that there has been a time. Except for maybe when rock and roll was becoming a becoming rock and roll, that there was a time as exciting for in in music as the, as when the punk rock was starting to explode here because there had been it was it was completely different. Yeah, it definitely knew that you're you're taking part in some kind of magical moment. I feel that way. I honestly do. Yeah, I do too. That's the way we felt. Yeah, it was minority. It it seemed, but that was okay. I gotta pee. His head's over there. Okay. And brother Matt, time for the spin cycle. Cool. That was a great cue. Thank yeah, you, Mr. Yao.
Pedro, brother Matt, thanks so much for your spin cycle. We've been talking here about the old days of David Young. Here, a little, even though, how long have you been in SoCal, man? Now? Uh, just over 10 years. 10 years. But he doesn't know our old days. Wow. 10 years. I love Before it here, man. You were in Indiana, right? Yeah, yeah. I was sort of Chicago, and then I bought a house well, yeah, in Indiana. Part of Indiana that's close to Chicago. Yeah, 50 miles south of Chicago, yeah. Okay. God, you got a memory. Yeah. Yeah. Winners. What were we talking about? Huh? About you in SoCal in days before your time here. Yeah, yeah. And man, I tell you what, I love this town. I I I think I'll probably be here till checkout time. Me too. I reckon. You know, I like visiting and stuff, but I like living. Yeah. <laughs> Other pads. The bungee cord snaps be back. Poing. <laughs> we're back. Hey, you might hear some better sound here because uh, I got it all figured out. I was a dumb fuck and had the whole thing going through the Mac purse, the, you know, Barbie microphone thing. Really. So, I mean, it sounds like some motherfucking battleship voice with Bogart on Mr. Yao here. I apologize for that big time. And uh, this third hour that's coming up, you're going to get more of him and less of the fucking Vavon. Uh, January 30, 2013 edition of the Pedro Show. Hold tight for hour three. January 3rd, 2013, third hour of Watt from Pedro Show.
Mike wrote, man, it's such such a great thing for it, and uh, his 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 piece and uh, Alex from Einstein to the Neurobauten, those two pieces alone make it worth the price. They're so good, so great. Yeah, I was very honored to be asked, and uh, I just thought they were, you know, why I got into the scene in the first place. Uh That that was just their take on it, which was the way it was supposed to be. Everybody gets a cue that it's safe to go crazy and then they bring it and uh, I just really does. well also your language you know the English you speak isn't like the English that uh, a lot of people you know a lot of people think speak. everyone in Pedro talks <laughs> <laughs> but um, it reads like a Dada poem almost it's almost like you can't tell exactly like it's, you finish reading it and it's like looking at an abstract painting going I can't tell what that is, but I can feel what it is. I can't see what it is, but I know what it is. Kind of thing. That's really great. Can't quite nail, but I dig on the art of it. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Pedro speak. But it ain't really Pedro. You know, people ask me, where's the other Mike Watts? Like, there's a whole town of us. Oh, God, what a nightmare. Imagine go to a bar. What did you say? Can you imagine? Colony, <laughs> crazy man colony. Okay, uh, we start off the third hour with World, great Jesus Lizard song, then Lost in the Fog by Brother Steve McKay. Yeah. Stooges Sax Man, I'm, I'm on the bass on that. that Sunset, Sunset Beach, they just annexed themselves to Orange County. Brother Matt, in case you were thinking, we're paddling out there. Then we had Mr. Kennedy Don't Need No Cat Scam by Richard Howard Brown, uh, Commissar by Dispione. And finally, Chicky Chicky Bang Bang, my fearless leader. That's got Bob Lee on the drums there. Uh, Mr. Yao, so, you know, on the musical journey, we were at the Scratch Acid part. And uh, you had uh, done several tours. You found out about Europe. You found out about the West Side, the U.S. Probably toured other parts of the U.S. too. And uh, you did several recordings. Yeah, and, a uh, couple of them were good. Yeah, we played some at the beginning of the show. Yeah, and uh, well, pick it up from there. How did it evolve? Your second band. Um, uh, um, um, with the one after that? No, it's Toxic Shock. Tom Watson's um, band was first. I thought we covered that. Yeah, we did. Okay. So I'm, no. I'm, I'm talking about the second band here, uh, Scratch Acids. How did yeah. it evolve um, from like that gig at Fender's Ballroom? Uh, oh, playing well, the whiskey and well, actually that that after that tour when we uh, uh, came out here and whenever '87 uh, was our final tour because oh, okay. um, we started having some interpersonal relationship problems and um by the time we got to minneapolis which was like maybe the fifth to last show on the tour there were some uh serious problems and some of the folks i don't want to mention names in the band uh, didn't there was some drama yeah there was some drama uh and so we finished the tour but it was not very easy. And then when we got home, I think it was kind of like, it was clear that it, we were done. It kind of dissolved. 
like an Italian, they say, I fatta, we did it. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Prego. Infatta. Or infatta, really. But uh, so, yeah, okay. It had run its course. But yeah. not all the cats. Because you would go on to play. Well, yeah. Well, David Sims, our bass yeah. player, um, I, th- I think we were roommates at the time. No. No, we weren't. Now, I was living with my girlfriend, and Dwayne, who had played guitar in uh, some bands in Detroit, and then he moved down to Austin, and he was with um, Cargo Cult, Cargo. With, with Biscuit from Car- from the Big Boys, and some other really, really good players. But they were kind of like jazz punk, and, and they confused a lot of us Austin punk guys. Yeah. We were impressed, but confused. Okay. And... um. Dwayne had uh, some recording time, and he said, hey, would I play bass on a couple of those tunes? And I said, okay, sure. He played them for me, and I said, man, I can't play that stuff. Get David Sims. And so we got David Sims to do it. The next thing you know, we were ready to uh, uh, start practicing. (laughs) Because the band didn't start with the drumming. Right, we had a drum machine. We had, I think, an Alasis HR-16 drum machine. Now, did this have anything to do with the uh, big black? Yeah, Mr. Albini. Um, not really. Okay. I mean, you know, we were aware of of other bands with drum machines, but I think it was more it was more a question of um, sort of economy. Yeah. I mean, we we didn't have a drummer and we needed one, so we just used this. Right, right. And and well, also who programmed it. Uh, David Sims did the majority of the programming. I. I tried to add some uh, blues to it by like slowing down the hi hat. He had the hi hat. I was going. I said, "Don't do that." <laughs> and um, uh, but um, yeah, we kind of messed around in a while for a while in Austin with the three of us, and then David and I moved to Chicago, and David joined Rape Man with Albini and Ray from Scratch Acid, <clears throat> and uh, that was a short-lived project. It was a great, stupid, stupid name, but really great band. Um, <clears throat> yeah, and then Dwayne came up to do a, um, to to we wanted to just record the f- songs that we had as a project. Yeah, and, not gigs, just projects. Yeah, and uh, it sort of coerced Touch and Go into releasing it. I don't think they were very excited about it, but they thought that. You know, if we got a drummer, possibly, you know, we could do something. And, uh, but in the meantime, we'll put this out. Yeah. And, um, and that's Corey. what Pure was, our first record called Pure. Yeah. Was Corey the boss? Was he the boss? Well, he was, yeah, yeah, he was running Touch and Go. He was bass man from Necros. Yes, bass man from the Necros. And a wonderful, oh. wonderful guy. Really, uh, uh, Really honest and ethical and great to deal with and stuff. Um, so at that time, it was he and his wife Lisa yeah. too. It was a really, it was a man. It was a mom and pop company, and um, yeah. Then we called. I had seen Mac play, Mac McNeil. I saw yeah, him play right. with '86 in Austin, and he blew my mind. I was just going, "What? What the fuck? John Bonham's dead. Where'd that guy's leg come from?" And uh. After talking about a few Chicago drummers, we got in touch with Mac. 
he liked the tape that we sent them sent him and he came out and the next thing you know he's like in the band and we started touring like crazy yeah and that was a trippy time too right I think so. Aren't, no, they, aren't I, they usually? <laughs> well, you didn't really have a lot of big labels wanting to sign bands in the older days. Yeah, yeah. It changed. Yeah, this is 88, 89. Yeah. And especially coming on the early 90s, it's yeah. much different than the older days yeah. as far as those, those cats. Uh, and uh, everybody was getting signed. I'm sorry? Everybody was getting signed by big labels. Yeah. Um, were they, yeah. Early 90s. Yeah, because, yeah, 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 yeah. because of, of this thing called alternative. Yeah. Which I, I don't really care for that term so much. <laughs> plan, plan B. Like, no, I think Bruce Springsteen is plan B. <laughs> they just didn't like that punk word. They're afraid of it. They always hated that word. That's what they meant by Green Day made things safe. Is that what that you reckon? Maybe that mm. you heard on what you say an award show, some TV music award show, yeah. Because they really didn't want to use that word for so long. They invent these other words. I know, but but if if they somehow brought it back into the mainstream, the fact that the punk rock is in the mainstream, well, that's just fine. Have a glass of milk. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so funny. It's so funny, but so so that's why I said it was kind of different <coughs> from the scene I was in. It was kind of different. Yeah. It was uh, uh yeah. I wouldn't say totally merch or something, but it was just was different than the other, those other days. And uh, more people knew about gigs. More people were coming to gigs. They did. Well, bands like you and Black Flag and so many, you know, even Scratch Acid and stuff had sort of kind of, you know, flattened the grass out some to where people can get through. Yeah, right. And so Jesus Lizard, in a way, I mean, <clears throat> kind of what Firehose had from what Minutemen did, maybe Jesus Lizard had from what Scratch Acid did. You know, there was groundwork we laid out that we didn't really see as much in our time. But it kind of paved out a little bit more. For sure. And that's because, you know, it got bigger, more people knew about it. Uh, people weren't as tripped out and afraid of it. But there still were the really funny, like, hillbilly kind of things. Oh, like, yeah. the, you've probably been, have you been to Tal's Art Bar? Tal's oh, yeah. Dart Bar in Hattiesburg. Hattiesburg. <laughs> like, Tal with cutoffs. <laughs> and that was hilarious. We played there, and the stage was an L shaped thing with a little bit, a chintzy little railing that, you know, a girl could break. And, it broke before. And I remember they only had, I think, three mics. And so they gave one to me for vocals. Then they had one for the snare. And then one, and the sound man couldn't make it. So they sent his cousin in. And he had a microphone sort of over the um, ride cymbal and the floor tom, about two feet above the floor tom. And I said to the guy, like, what, what's that microphone for? And he goes, that there is for the, for the big floor tom drum. And I said, okay, cool. Why is it so high? And he goes, that way you pick up some of the cymbal. <laughs> yeah. 
And, you know, for those of you who aren't really, don't know so much about miking techniques and stuff, you don't really want that much cymbal in your drum mic. <laughs> <laughs> there was a trailer park next to it. There was a shooting at the thing when, the night we played. It, it got rowdy. Played towels a couple times. Yeah, there was still stuff like that. Yeah. It, yeah, which which really is there was stuff like that in the old days too, oh, and I could tell you some stories. Annoying. But yeah, it did keep existing. But for like big towns and stuff, and you could tell it, there was kind of a change. Because um, you guys went on to another label too. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the, about the nine years later, eight or nine years later, we went to Capital yeah. in yeah, and that yeah. was that was. I think we made the right decision in retrospect. Um, it wasn't a popular decision. It was it was weird that like people who liked our band before uh, then suddenly had a problem because we were putting records out on a different label. Yeah. Um, I I think that uh, particularly that first record we put out on Capitol called Shot. I think yeah. it's a I think it's a pretty fucking pretty good record. It's a good shot, you know. And we, like you know, I, I'm not, I'm certainly not ashamed of it. But uh, yeah, it was weird. We we got a lot of flack for that. Yeah. Um, uh oh. Yeah. The, <laughs> the smallest fart. It, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it sounded like dropping a BB. <laughs> That's the cue to play some more music. <laughs> a rice grain on some paper. <laughs>
Pants or around so my ankles. Michael and, from the Killdozer to thank for that. That was a moment. You should have Michael on the show. Yeah, be a Skype or something. We, we interviewed dudes through Skype. Okay. Like he, he does he live here now? Oh, he's been in LA longer than I have. Is that right? Yeah. I'll put you in touch. Fuck. Wow. I yeah. didn't know. Yeah, that'll be good. And he's he's and he's so, so he's a genius. Man. I'd love to have him aboard when I get back from tour in April. Excellent. Okay, we start uh, start. 
with that chunk of music off with Jesus Lizard doing Fly on the Wall. I've got to be a fly on the wall here, Mr. Yao. Actually, we should have had the thing going during the music and stuff because he's got excellent spiels. Like, you should not be afraid of uh, acknowledging your influences. That's what Dave Markey said when he was here. We should have cameras rolling for the behind-the-scenes conversations. Oh, that wasn't on the air? No, no. Oh. <laughs> and then we heard uh, Police on My Back by Upsetters, Tin Soldiers by The Father Figures. That's what I always wanted to call my punk band. <laughs> so, all that touring, having to deal with switching to a big labor label controversy with the old fans. Uh, what was your take on the Jesus Lizard experience for you? Um, of course, it was uh, more than about that. That that was reductionist music. Yeah, it was. It was. It was a terrible, terrible time, and I hate anything having to do with it and the people involved with it. Okay. I hope that they all die a slow death. <laughs> Is that clear? Yeah. Now, come on. What? Uh, it was. Uh, it was uh, like most of the things that have happened in my life was so much fun. I can't believe it. <laughs> It was great. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, the 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 hardest part the, the hardest part was as as time went along and Mac got married and he had kids. Uh, Mac, our drummer, who's the nicest guy who ever stepped yeah, foot on earth. I contest. Um, life got really really hard for him and uh, for touring the touring. And I mean, if, if I don't have any kids, if I did, I wouldn't want to miss a day of them growing up. Sure. And uh, so I don't blame him for uh taking off but it just got more and more difficult with um his f dividing his band time with his family time and it, eventually he couldn't do it anymore but we had signed a three record contract with capital and we'd only done one record yeah and so if we had broken up at the time we would have owed them a, a, a lot of money we saw that coming before we signed that cap capital uh, contract, and Mac had a clause where he was allowed to leave the band. He called it the, the fuck you clause. I called it the Mac, this is giving you an out clause. But in any event, we, ha we had to at least do another record, otherwise we would have been fucked. And so Mac asked that we have this guy Jim Kimball take over. Yeah. And uh, after Mac left, it just became a job. I saw him in... Uh... Laughing Hyenas. That's correct. And then later yes. with Mule. With Mule and even Denison Kimmel Trio. That's right. And I he played, played he them. played with uh, Fetus some, and he played some with Firewater, and he played some with the uh, Rebecca Gates thing. And Wow. Yeah. Is he still playing? Yeah, I don't know. Okay. You just wonder. So I was... Uh... He's hiking right now. Okay, okay. He had a trippy style. I can remember him. Yeah. Like a little bird, because he'd throw his elbows in the air when he played. When he did flams, it was like a little bird trying to take off. So, Jim Kimball, I'll always very uh, most dudes throw their hair around. He threw elbow, <laughs> little bird, little little wing, little So you did that album? Uh, is that with the Beatle? 
The guy with the beetle? No, Shot is with the beetle. Shot has the beetle on it, yeah. It's like a rhinoceros. Yeah, 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 exactly. Biggest bug in the world it's from Africa. It's, it's, it's a biggie. And uh, so it kind of ran out of gas. Um, I think without well, Mac to a degree, yeah. I think I do think we were kind of running out of gas. We did another record we uh, recorded by uh, Andy Gill, who'd played yeah. with Gang Gang of Four, and um, that was that was a blast to record because Andy had such cool ideas, and we ended up with the uh, I think a more textural record than we'd ever even thought of. I mean, it's a, it, I, I I like that record. I think there's some really good songs on it, but. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm glad we didn't make another one after that. I think we would have run completely out of gas. Okay. We would have just released a record with nothing on it. That would be cool. Yeah. <laughs> I remember going over Thurston's once and he had a record where they put it into the sleeve. This is a tell you about a collector. Yeah, they put it in the sleeve before it was dry or cool. So it had stuck to the fucking paper. Ah. Who would get a record like this? You can't play it. Thirst. <laughs> goo. <laughs> yeah. It was just goo. And after that, God, we're running out of time. But you had a thing called Quee with no bass. With no Not bass. Not only were you no longer playing it, you wouldn't even have one in the band. Yeah. Well, that that was uh, Matt Cronk and Paul yeah. uh, Paul Christensen and the, a couple of guys from um, Minneapolis who had relocated to here. And they'd had the band for six years before I joined okay just the two of them and then uh I kind of came along just to do a couple of songs with them and enjoyed it so much and I had no intent at the time of joining a band um but I you know hooked up with them and it was because you came to SoCal and started doing graphic yeah yeah I was doing photo retouching it's yeah yeah but you also got into art I was at benefit you know the Tohoku Tsunami and that crap. Well, they did some benefits for it, and I saw one of your works at that be uh, benefit to get money up for those people that got hurt by that. Oh, oh yeah, for the the art against the art from the ashes people had organized that thing for yeah, yeah. Well, I went to art school. I'd, I'd been doing drawings and paintings forever, and uh, that kind of came up more. Why didn't uh, they come up on the? They're not on the Jesus Lizard albums. Well, it did a little bit. I mean, I laid most of those records okay. out. David Sims did uh, Pure, and he did Goat. I did all the other ones, and you know, I did some paintings and some artwork for a few of like the Seven Inches and um, like the oh, Lash yeah. EP and stuff like that. But um, yeah, I, I, I was mostly focused on you know music, and and then when I moved out here, yeah. Several years ago, I had an, uh, this guy at an art gallery said, hey, I heard you draw. And I said, uh-huh. He said, you want to have a show? And I went, okay. He said, well, can you do like 30 pieces in four months? And and he said he wanted something big. And so I did a six-foot by eight-foot painting, the biggest painting I've ever done. It was a blast and did all this shit. And so um, I've kind of gotten back into that, and I do... Now I have a little website. I don't. This is gonna sound gross. I have my little website called getfaced.net, and I brought bumper stickers for you. Get faced, um, people. That's G E T F A C E D dot N E T. Go yeah, there. and you send like you send like a picture of oh, you man. or your friend or your dog or whatever, and it's essentially it's commissioning me to do a portrait, and I do sort of a a fucked up uh, 
a line drawing of the picture colored in with photographic textures, essentially. Wow. Yeah. I might be sending my face in. I've I've done a couple. I've done a. There's an album cover. I, I did. You know Dave Catching. I'm sure. Yeah. I did a really one. I'm really really happy with of Dave, where he's got these sunglasses on, so you can't see his eyes, but he's holding a frying pan. That's why I put the two eyes in There's the frying the pan. Eyes on. <laughs> the yolks, the yolks on you. <laughs> so, but back to Quee a little bit. They had to kind of stop, right? The guitar man had a. Yeah, he he became he got some serious drug problems and uh, it turned into kind of an asshole. And um, since then, I'm really happy to say, and it warms the very cockles of my heart, that uh, he's back full steam, like uh, clean and sober, and the nicest, most considerate guy. It's really, really beautiful. And so, so you Queen, are going to do Queen music. I'm not. I mean, oh. they, they're they reforming, yeah. and I did a few sh- uh, songs with them, like at the very, very end of 2012. Because earlier in the show, we played uh, you doing some bass for them. Right, with the the, que- the, uh, the Fear song. Something in Roma. Yeah, first first, first you do like, uh, what, Johnny and Santos, Sleepwalker? Sleepwalk? Oh yeah, yeah. And Matt started out with that. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. I forgot about that. I forgot about that. I got to do a fear song uh, a few months ago for the. They did a tribute to uh, Repo Man, and I got to do "Let's Have a War." Oh, nice. <laughs> with all my organ-based drum trio, so it wasn't totally like fear, but it was a variation. It was still Belage. Yeah. That song is. Fear was like punk rock Beethoven, man. It was intense. It's it really was. It's kind of hard to play. Well, that, God, in musicians, yeah. that's crazy. Yeah, it's that rough. first record, the Fear record, that's like the, to me, and that's... the gigs, too. Yeah. It was funny, too, because people would sit at the gigs would say, this was the older Hollywood people, they're heavy metal. And it wasn't heavy metal to me. It was strange. It was their own music. Yeah. It was trippy. Yeah, they were just freaking out because the guitar player could really play, so he must be metal. But, but the rhythms, too, were really strange. Fucked up. Spit sticks is like... And then he got these electric drums, these Simmons, these synthesizers. Oh, yeah, and so he had them for toms. So the attack, you know, it wasn't like a drum, man. You'd be at a gig, and they'd be coming through the PA and be like... Big old fucking gut punches. Did it sound good? It was int- It was physical. It wasn't just oh, sound. Wow. You felt these fuckers. Wow. Because the attack was so quick. It wasn't like an acoustic drum. They were, they were, they were a wild band. It's funny. They, for a lot of people, just a cartoon or anything. But if you really got into the music, they were really singular band. They really were. And they were, man, I, I remember my, my ex-wife just did not get it. You know, like the jokes between yeah, the songs, oh, yeah, or not, or just the the lyrics or where the it's words. like you know, uh, hatred is purity, weakness is disease. I thought that was pretty fucking funny because they policy. don't they don't mean it. It's it's tongue in cheek, you know. Chill out, sit back down, you know. But give guns to the queers. Give guns, steer the money from your mother, buy a gun. You know, it was hilarious. <laughs> that that was a sticker. That, that Unicorn Record Company made Black Flag put on their album, MCA, who distributed it, wouldn't distribute it. Unless, what was the sticker? Uh, you know, this is anti-family or some shit. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
a damaged album. Those stickers helped everybody. Yeah, you know. These people <laughs> buy, they should have just said, buy this. Right, right. There was a lot of weird stuff. Remember the clean up the lyrics thing? P- PMR? PMRC, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, with all kinds of people like Frank Zappa and t- uh, what's the guy from Twisted Sister coming out and getting art- articulate. And... <laughs> Speaking up for us. Yeah. And, yeah, trying to clean it up. Trying to clean it up. Tipper Gore. Yeah. So you did some songs with Quee, but you don't really have any music plans or what? I don't. I, I'm an actor now. Are you doing now. something? Oh, I've got my solo album coming out. Yeah. Oh, no, I don't. Can't say anything. Don't okay. Don't know what I'm talking about. Because so many, I heard. <laughs> okay. I think, well, I'm probably going to have a if solo record happens. coming out in a few months. I really have no idea if that's going to happen or not. But if it. If something weird like that, can you come on the show and we can talk about it? Absolutely. Come back to Pedro? Cool. Yeah. Well, I started on this thing years ago, like when I fr- That guy I mentioned earlier, Alex Hacke from Neubauten, yeah. is a dear friend, and he spent some time at my house when I lived in Indiana, and he showed me sort of the ro- rudiments of Pro Tools, because yeah. I'm not a musician. I don't diddly squat about music. I don't know what a scale is. No, I didn't. And um, and then po- and then right point after at the right string, uh, and about a week later, I met Mike Patton, who with Greg Workman was running Ipecac Records, and he said he took me by the shoulders and he said, "You're going to do a solo record, and I'm putting out whether you like it or not." I went, "Okay, oh great," and so I started working on this thing for years, but never really did anything. And then it's since, shit, right? And, yeah, but it's um. Well, there's there's real instruments and there's samples and stuff, but uh, it's not. If you're cognizant of the crap that I've done musically in the past, yeah. that's not a clue to what this sounds like. I think that's okay. I think it's better. I think. Thank you. Me too. Yeah. I think it's okay. Yeah. Life's a journey. It ain't reruns. That's well, right. I love Lucy World. It is. That's right. Ricky, this week the mayonnaise. The mayonnaise? Remember they had to fill like 500 jars of mayonnaise? She's always having some drama. Talk about your drama. <laughs> I had every show, but you're going to work it out in a half hour, yeah, so it's yeah. okay. Vitamin to vegemin. <laughs> yeah. Tastes just like candy. <laughs> so I can't wait to hear this, but when you come, when it does come, please come on the show again. I would love to. And we'll have uh, a, a bigger talk and not just all the good stuff happening when the music's going. I would love to, and I'd love to. I'd love to hear your thoughts on the record. Yeah, because we'll there's, there's some stupid we'll play shit the whole on fucking there. Thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much for ha- uh, coming aboard here yeah, in Love Grotto Pleasure Point. I can't tell you how honored I am. Yeah. Well, uh, truly, our pleasure, right, brother? Yeah, man. very cool having you. All right. Well, yeah, I'll see you then, hopefully in a couple months, if not mm-hmm. before. Okay. Well, I got tour coming. Next week I'll have a show with Bob Lee. But, oh, cool. But then I got to go away for two months. Got a tour with some a couple of Italian guys, and then some Stooges, and then I'll come back. Wop, wop, and we'll wop, see wop, how wop, far wop. Mr. Patton got this. I mean, that guy. If he asked you to do a record, I mean, he's a music man. So thanks for taking him up on that. Well, Ipecac is not putting it, it out. A long time That's ago, like... because there's, you know what Orson Welles said: "No wine before it's time." 
That's what the $2 screw on. I'm, I, I remember that. <laughs> Do you remember that? I think the it was, commercial, of course. What was it? Musan Brothers? Or yeah. Mogan, Mogan David. Well, no. <laughs> Might as well have been. Paul we, Musan. It was some guy. And that is weird, like to have one of the greatest yeah. oh, artists in filmmaking yeah. history going, we will sell wine, no wine before it's time. But in between, it wasn't that no wine. Before it's time. He had, there's drama in it. He, did, he put some stuff in there. Somehow. One time I saw him at Pink's. I got to meet him once. Wow. He really? He had a chili dog in each hand. He was eating, hey, a, he was having a Roseanne bar or something like that. Hey, young man. <laughs> That's what he called me. Nice. I was a young man. Thank you, Mr. Yao. Brother Matt, great to have you aboard. We'll look yeah. forward to you to your next visit and your music. Excellent. Uh, yeah, it's been January 30th, 2013 edition of Waffle Pedro Show. Good night. Keep your powder dry. <laughs>